Hey everybody, this is Newer Kid Y. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of God Yay or Nay. Today we have our guest, Dina Jackson. Dina is a yoga and meditation instructor. She's also a comedian. Her new album, Blue Lights, can be purchased on iTunes and Comedy Records. This episode we talk about yoga and meditation quite a bit. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Uh, The first five minutes, there's a little bit of fuzziness in the audio because of the connection issues, but uh, it ends up going away. And honestly, this is one of my favorite, uh, favorite uh, conversations that you can check out. So I I really hope you enjoy it. This conversation is also good for anybody. It doesn't matter uh, what stage you are in meditation or yoga. If you're just beginning, I hope this uh, encourages you to start a practice. Or uh, if you're already doing it, I hope this helps you deepen your practice. Anyways, I do appreciate all the support I'm getting on the podcast. Please, if you can, uh, like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Check me out on Instagram at NewerKidY. And uh, yeah, please give the podcast a rating. That helps out a ton. But without further ado, today's guest, Dina Jackson. Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. Uh, Tonight, my guest is uh, Dina Jackson. Uh, Dina, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Nora. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited to have you on the show, uh, mainly because yoga and meditation are honestly two of the most like transforming things that uh, like I've been able to add to my life as a practice. And uh, yeah, just seeing your TED Talk and seeing how much passion you have about it uh, really was uh, made me want to talk to you about this uh, these topics. Uh, do you want to uh, maybe uh, give uh, my listeners an uh, idea of how you got into meditation, how you got into yoga? Yeah, for sure. So like you, I'm a comedian and we work in a very strange industry in entertainment. So one of the things that kind of helps me stay balanced working in a field that uh, can be quite up and down where you're, you know, one day you're performing for hundreds of people and you're really excited and life is great. And then the next day you're performing in a basement to five people and it's not that exciting and you start questioning everything you're doing um, can sometimes feel a little bit bit unbalanced. (laughs) So I wanted to find something that would help me kind of stay more balanced. And so that's how I got into yoga and meditation was something that my mom showed me when I was young and it probably, I was like 10 or 11 and, uh, she learned it in her uh, philosophy class. And she always sort of would push me to try it whenever I was going through a hard time. But it wasn't until I started doing comedy. So maybe five, six years ago now that I started doing it pretty regularly. So, yeah. Okay. And like when you were younger, what was the whole idea of like meditating to you at the time? It was very foreign and it didn't come from a religious, a religious place. It came from like my mom started taking this philosophy class. And so she was interested in it. And one day we were walking our dogs um, and we were at a park and she was like, do you want to try to meditate? And I said, sure. And so we sat down on a bench together and she was like, okay, feel the wind on your face and the bench against your back. And it was very simple, you know, but for an 11 year old, I, I liked it. I didn't really understand it, but I liked it. I liked how it felt. And I liked that my mom liked it. So then, you know, as an interested kid, you want to do what your parents are doing. But yeah, it wasn't until 
later in life that I understood what it was and how you're developing like this tool belt for yourself. Right. So that what that was something that became um, a regular part of my routine. So it's something that I do every day now, whereas previously I didn't all through high school and university and my twenties. Yeah, no, that's a, uh, it must be nice to have a mother like that to teach you something like that. Uh, that must be a, like, it's such a powerful tool and in a good way. I like how you said she also told you how to like feel your body and stuff, which is kind of like uh, one thing I really started to learn with yoga and, and meditation is to like, Hey, you have like aware, like when you be aware of your body, Mm-hmm. You can actually like have awareness come through yourself, like through your body. And it's a better way to be aware than being like stuck in your head. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, we live in a culture, especially in the West where we're so in our heads, right. We're in our heads all the time, especially as comedians too. We just spend so much time up here that things that you can do to get back into your body can just help with your like your physical health, but also your mental health, because it helps you remember that you're, you're not just living in your head. You, you you are in fact an entire body taking up space and that there's other parts to your experience than just your thoughts. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Do you start practicing? Oh, uh, well, I got into it in uh, college at uh, about 20 years uh, old. And uh, I think, uh, I think there was always a deep sense in me that um, our minds are more powerful than like uh we really think they are. And uh, so in my sense, I think I started meditating for almost like it was going to give me like a superpower or a leg up or something like that. Um, but I, I just bought a, I bought a book from a meditation teacher and uh, it was just a very simple book on following your breath. And I just started to do that and follow my breath. And uh, yeah, it just became like a good practice. And then like until years later, when I started doing yoga, that's when like my practice really deepened because then I could like, um, I, I, I understood how you can use your breath and like with the poses, like actually breathe into a pose and like the whole idea of mindfulness and all of that started to grow on me. And, um, as you know, like once, like the more you do yoga as time goes on, like, uh, the practice just keeps getting deeper and deeper and you can't like, it's unbelievable how, how much depth there is like, especially in like the stillness, like when you uh, really can still your body, still your mind. Uh, yeah. Like you must uh, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And it's so cool because when you do spend that time in the stillness, that's when you can soak up all the work that you've done. And that's when you can actually, it's a little bit easier to be still after you've done the postures and you've done some breathing. If you were to try and do the last pose, try and do Shavasana, at the beginning and just lie down and be completely still, it would be a lot more challenging because you'd have lots of thoughts or you'd have things that need to be stretched out or just, you know, fidgeting that needs to happen. Whereas if you can get all of that out of the way, then that stillness can come. So yeah, that's great that you, that you do that. And that is the special part for me. I love that part of it. That's the best part of the practice. Oh yeah. The stillness is a hundred percent the best part. Uh, That's where that, that, um, the peacefulness, the contentment, like all that stuff that uh, we really want. Uh, One thing I've noticed uh, with my meditation and like yoga practice is like our minds are always constantly in that searching mode. You know, it's like always like always searching or trying to get somewhere, trying to do something when, when you like actually do this practice and you can just settle down the mind and be like, Hey, there's, 
nowhere, nowhere you need to go. Like you can just be here, be still, be present. And, uh, it's very peaceful. I love that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you were telling in your uh, TED talk about how uh, you use uh, meditation and yoga to deal with uh, painful experiences. Can you maybe uh, elaborate more on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so it wasn't until I really needed meditation and yoga, and I say needed um, because I did, I did in fact need them, um, that I took them seriously. And I don't recommend that. I recommend learning the practice, allowing yourself to sort of build this emotional and physical and spiritual um, tool belt for yourself. So that way, if something difficult comes your way, if you deal with tragedy or trauma, which we all do at some point in our lives, um, then you have prepared, right? Then you have something, a way to deal with what's coming your way. In my particular uh, situation a couple of years ago my father had passed away and then I went uh, I had a divorce and it was all within a two-year time frame and so I started spiraling out I was not practicing of, of anything of any kind and I was being quite rec reckless and um, unsafe with my body like just not taking care of myself at all and it wasn't until I was very 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 down from everything that was going on and going through grief and stuff like that that I revisited this so it was like bringing up my mom again she would say to me whenever I was going through something painful she would say have you tried meditating and you know it was this thing in the back of my mind oh yeah I'll get to it I'll get to it but then when I actually took it on, actually made a commitment to it. In my case, I did a yoga retreat. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew I needed to get away. So I went away for five days and did a yoga retreat. And I really learned the basics of yoga and meditation. And then from there, I was kind of hooked. So that was sort of what did it for me. And then I think a year after that, I did my yoga teacher training. So I went to Southern India, India, and I went to Goa in the south, and I studied and did my 200 hours there um, to become a teacher. Oh, wow. Okay, those are two really cool things. I want to talk about both of them. Uh, first, uh, your yoga retreat. So, um, like, what, uh, like, if people who haven't been on a yoga retreat, I know I haven't, uh, can you, like, kind of explain, like, what the typical yoga retreat, retreat consists of? Yeah, for sure. I had no idea too, right? Like I I didn't know what I was walking into. I had practiced yoga maybe a couple of times. I didn't really understand the excitement around it. I didn't understand why people were so into it. And I didn't get the psychological and emotional level to it. I thought it was just a physical practice. But when I went on the retreat, it was just one that I found online. So I don't necessarily recommend that. Like if you know someone who's gone or can recommend certain ones with certain teachers, there are, <laughs> tons, of, <laughs> there are tons of yoga studios that offer them where the teachers will take you to Costa Rica or somewhere cool like that. Or they have them in, you know, nearby, if you live in a city, like maybe two hour drive north of the city or maybe at the actual studio. So there's tons of options. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I found this one online. I was a little bit nervous about that. So I asked to meet with the instructor. She lived in Toronto. So I asked to meet with her beforehand for coffee because I was just, you know, wanting to make sure I was safe. And the retreat was mm -hmm. in Aruba, which was beautiful. You don't have to go to Aruba. You could do it anywhere. And uh, it was a five-day retreat where you did 
three sessions of yoga a day. We did a lot of learning about the principles of yoga and um, we listened to like sound meditation bowls, like different healing um, sounds, which I loved. We learned about mm -hmm. different styles of yoga, different styles of meditation, um, just eating and uh, treating your body well with, it was an all vegan, I think mostly vegan vegetarian menu. And it was amazing. Like it was, it was what I needed at the time for sure. I knew I needed to get away. And so that was kind of what did it. And then the instructor, her and I ended up becoming really good friends. And she kind of showed me a, a whole side of living that I just hadn't really seen before, where you incorporate meditation and yoga as part of your practice. And you start connecting with other people who are interested in those things as well. And um, it just becomes a natural progression where you start realizing that you can take good care of yourself and it, it doesn't have to be a, a scary thing. It can actually be a supportive thing. Yeah, you, uh, you said sound healing, and uh, can you uh, explain what the sound healing is? Yeah, for sure. Um, so at this, I've, I've since gotten really into it after that experience, but I, it, there's a lot of like uh, Tibetan healing bowls where they have certain sounds, and I have one here. Hold on, I'll get it. Oh, awesome. So this is a small one. This one I got when I was in India, and... Um, this okay. one, this one actually cracked on its that trip back. Nice. Little... <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you, you spin it around and it makes a noise. Uh, unfortunately mine, uh, is cracked, so it doesn't make the right sound anymore, but basically they are different keys. So something could be an F key or a, an H key. And the, the purpose of them is to play them while you're trying to meditate and the sounds can be very calming. So, you know, if you were to you listen to a, a a meditation bowl at the beginning of your meditation practice, mm -hmm. you might be able to get a little bit deeper into your practice um, a little bit faster because it's just, it can calm the mind. The sound can be very healing and uh, yeah, I love them. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it reminds me of like the gongs and like the vibrations that you can, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're exactly. right. Like I meditated with the, the gongs before and uh, the vibrations just always calm your body very well and uh, it helps uh, deepen the practice for sure. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm, I swear by it now. And there's lots of like community, um, like musicians in the community where you can look up online and just see where people are playing them and you can go meditate or do a yoga practice and they'll be playing them while it's happening. It's really nice. They have them all around Toronto. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, you were also saying uh, when you went to this yoga retreat, uh, they taught you about different types of yoga. So mm -hmm. what uh, types did you experience and what made you, when you went into teaching, like which uh, direction did you end up going into and why? Um, yeah, so they they teach you they teach you the basics, which sort of comes sort of starts with Hatha yoga, which is more classic classic style, and you just really learn about the philosophy behind it. And there were many details and things like that that I really liked because they teach you about life and how the mind works and things that I just certainly didn't learn in school. So I think that was kind of one of the things that really opened up, kind of perked my interest, and. Um, but we learned about, you know, Kundalini yoga or um, Hatha, as I mentioned, Karma yoga, which is actually not a physical practice of yoga, but Karma yoga is doing 
something for to receive good karma. So you do maybe your cleaning, like we would have certain chores and things like that, but that we would do. And that was seen as doing your karma yoga for the day. So maybe you're doing, uh, you're cooking a meal or cleaning a meal, usually something in a joint environment. I was saying it was like doing good deeds to get uh, good karma back kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's essentially karma yoga, but then um, Kundalini yoga, it has a lot more focus on breathing and that sort of thing. There's Iyengar yoga, which uses a lot of props. So there's various strands for me. I went with Hatha yoga because I wanted to understand the basics of the classic yoga. And then, cause it's recommended to start there and then you can go into any other branch that you're interested in. So then when I did my teacher training, uh, that's, that's what I studied was Hatha. Okay. And Hatha yoga is kind of the, like all the poses that, um, I would say most people in the Western world are familiar with. Is that mostly what Hatha yoga consists of? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but then, you know, there's other names, like, for example, if you go to a yoga studio now, they'll say, okay, there's, this is a vinyasa class. So a vinyasa class is a, a faster paced class where you're doing a lot of, um, like sort of circular motions where you're doing something like a sun salutation, which is like a series. And so it's a little bit faster. Um, but even a vinyasa mm-hmm. class is taken from Hatha. So like you learn the, the basics, the classics, what the poses are. And then from there, you can teach a faster class that has a series built off of that. Yeah. So you, you start with a Hatha class. That's a great place to, look, to learn the classics, understand the basic postures. And then if you go and take a vinyasa class at a studio, um, they're offered at many, many studios across the country. Um, that would be a faster paced class. So it would include a series and this series would have some of those classic poses in it. So if anyone was starting yoga for the first time and listening to this podcast, I would say try out a Hatha class first and see how you like it. So that way you can learn the postures and then move into something like a vinyasa class that's a little bit faster. Okay, that's very cool. All right, so uh, let's talk about teaching. You went to India to go learn to be a teacher. That uh, sounds like such a real, <laughs> that's a cool experience. It's something that I always thought about uh, doing. And Goa, it seems like that's like the most famous place uh, for yoga, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, um, if India was amazing. Like, I would go back there in a second. There's so much more I want to see, and I just like I loved, I loved the culture. I loved how close everyone is to nature and to the animals there. Like, it's very different there than it is here. The, the cows run the show, and I love that. <laughs> and so it's like you always hear someone honking the horn and in the middle of the street because there's like a family of cows crossing, but they'll never hurt the cow because the cow is a sacred animal. So I liked living in that space. Like that really spoke to me. Um, It's very like, it's very much in line with if you practice a vegetarian lifestyle or that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. it's quite well built for that. Um, So I just love that. Everybody was so kind. Like it was just amazing. Um, But yeah, Goa is very, very practical. Uh, popular for for yoga if you if that's a place where you'd like to learn it's nice because it's in the south and it's um on the on the water so if you want to be close to a beach it's pretty hot there so it's nice to have that to go to after practicing but yeah it was pretty intense mm-hmm. like the the classes were pretty intense you're getting up with the sun you're going down with the sun you're going to bed with the sun you're practicing first thing in the morning 
you're teaching throughout the day and then you're practicing again at night. So you're, yeah, you're pretty heavy into your practice. Um, Oh, that's the, and did you have to do the vegan diet uh, throughout that as well? Yeah. I'm a vegetarian anyway. Uh, I try to, okay. I try to eat vegan when I can. I can't always do that as a comedian, especially when we're on the road. It can be pretty challenging. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that I loved that. And just there is is pretty, like it's it's quite common to be vegetarian there. That's like the most popular thing. I remember when I was at the airport in um, Mumbai, the, um, or was it in Delhi? I don't know. It was at one of the airports, like all of the fast food places, like, Burger King and uh, McDonald's, like all of the burgers are veggie burgers. They're veggie burgers and maybe some chicken, but no, there's no, no beef burgers there. That's not, not a thing. But anyway, I'm, I'm not trying to police the way that anyone eats. Oh, like no, that. no, no. But yeah, I love, I love that. I loved the, I loved the culture. I was there during Diwali. So I got to see a lot of people parading around during Diwali. Oh, that's so cool. So, um, when you're learning, uh, taking the classes, uh, how many people are in a class and, uh, like, was it like beneficial to have like other people there with you? Yeah. Um, my, my, the time that I was doing the training, I think there was only four of us and then people would come in and do like a week. Cause they have a really cool thing set up in India where if you've done your teacher training over there, there's a lot of ashrams and um, schools where you can go and practice for a week with everyone who's in their training. So it's a nice thing if you're just backpacking around and you want to work on your practice. So we had people cut, drop in and join us. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think there was only four of us in total at that time. So I like that. I got some extra teaching, which was kind of cool. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so uh, is there like a grade for it like do they like make you like stay in a pose for so long or make you they like for you to pass the class are they like oh you have to be able to do these poses or anything like that um yeah there's a written test and then there's a um a physical test so you're you have to instruct a class and you have to do a written test and so there's a lot of and you have to get at least 80 percent on the written test to pass so there are people who would go all the way there and do their training. And if they didn't pass, then they didn't get their certification. Um, so yeah, but you have to study. That would be rough. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of studying, but it's good when you're oh. there because everybody's studying, right? Like you don't have that many distractions because you're pretty immersed in it. So uh, now uh, you're, are you teaching uh, classes here in Toronto now? Yeah, I am. Um, was actually teaching a free class for comedians that I used to do on Mondays. And in the summertime, we did them outside of the park. And that's on pause right now. Well, everything is. But I also teach with a program right now called Little Yogis, which is a children's yoga and mindfulness program. So it's fun. It's working with kids oh, really that's young. So cute. They're so cute. I, I just did a, an Instagram live trying to teach the kids on, on their Instagram. That was so weird. There's nobody in the room and I'm like talking, like I'm talking to a bunch of children and there's, it's just me talking to no one. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That must be interesting. Uh, teaching kids this, uh, do they pick it up? Yeah, but kids, like, especially, so some of the groups are as young as two, and then some go to be as old as 12 or 13. And the young ones, like, you have to teach a new, 
you, know, you have something new every 10 minutes. So we'll do like an interactive story that includes um, working with like uh, poses that are made into animals, you know, so I'll get everyone to do lion's pose or tiger pose or that kind of thing. And it's just a variation of an adult pose, but it's more exciting for the kids. And so we'll do stories. Mm -hmm. We'll work with, um, we'll work with scarves and lots of different props and things to keep them interested. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. We, we sing songs like it's, yeah, it's, it's different. I like it. It keeps me young. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, meditation now. So um, what kind of meditation uh, do you usually focus uh, on? Um, so I started off just doing like a, a silent practice. And this is something that I recommend for anyone who's starting out. So if you're starting out and you're not sure what to do and you're interested, but you don't know where to start, um, I recommend using an app like Calm or Headspace. Those are both really good apps. They're not. Um, I don't work for them. So I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not promoting, I'm not doing promo, but they're good because they can start with five minute meditations, 10 minute meditations. They're guided. They have a voice sort of helping you along the way or music. And so I recommend starting there. That's kind of mm -hmm. where I started. And then I gradually started meditating just with silence so, you know, focusing on breath, like you talked about, and then letting thoughts come up if they do, um, you know, not trying not to suppress those thoughts, just allowing them to come up and then let them, let them go. I think of them like, you know, balloons, you see the mm -hmm. balloon float away, the balloon comes towards you, then it floats away. Or you're a, a traffic conductor, you know, the traffic comes and it, you let it pass the same way you do with your thoughts. So things like that. And then now I've really gotten into mindfulness. And so mindfulness is, is where my practice is at now. And that's different from um, a standard meditation in that you're starting to build awareness of where your mind and your body is at. So that's kind of what mindfulness means to me. <clears throat> so you can practice mindfulness seated or you can practice it while you're walking. And this helps build a muscle for yourself. And it just helps you to become more present throughout the day. Okay. So um, like you're being mindful of like mind and body at the same time, like what you're saying with mindfulness. So uh, if you're seated, um, I don't know, like my practice, I know a lot of times I like to try to put, bring my attention to my whole body. Um, yeah. Is that, is that kind of what you do? Totally. Yeah. That's mindfulness. Uh, that's a great practice. That's a great way to get into your body. So we were talking be mm -hmm. before about uh, us being in our head so much. So a great um, body meditation or mindfulness practice for your body is to just sit and start at the top of your head and then work your way down. And you can start by just kind of noticing, okay, I noticed my hair. Okay. There's not really any there's not really any life to my hair on its own, right? It's just hair. Mm -hmm. And so you start thinking about that. Then you can keep going down. Okay, eyeballs on their own. And then you go down. Okay, mouth, teeth. Like you just start really becoming aware of your body. Then throat. Okay, okay. Now I'm looking, oh, shoulder. And what's interesting about that is that the same way that a car, if you're looking at a car, if you just looked at the parts of the car, just the wheel on its own or just the engine on its own, that's not a whole car. That's just a piece of the car. 
right? So if you mm-hmm. start thinking of your body that way, okay, these eyeballs are not really me. My mouth isn't really me, but coming all together, it is. I don't know. It sounds weird, but you work your way down and then you're just, it helps you to become more present in your body at that moment in time. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Also, uh, like you were saying, uh, my eyes aren't me, my hair isn't me. Um, I, I've noticed this kind of practice is like almost what happens in meditation, the deeper and deeper you get into it. Like the mm-hmm. longer uh, I kept doing it, um, I actually started noticing like my idea of myself inside my head. And like all of a sudden I start seeing uh, like seeing like, oh, wait, like this is just an idea of like what I think myself or what I think I am. And that's not me either. And then that just keeps going deeper and deeper into just like different like representations of what you think you are until it gets to the point where you're like sitting there and you're like, oh, like <laughs> my like self doesn't really exist. Like there is yeah. no, like there is no self. Like it just, it's not there. Yeah. And uh, no, you're, you're right uh, on. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. My mindfulness teacher, he wanted to get a license plate that said, no self, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I, that's a good thing. I think when you have like a really big ego, which I think like most of us do have or we had it before, mm-hmm. um, that when you get to that point of no self, it's really, um, it's, it can almost strike a little bit of panic in you because you're like, it feels like so different than what you're used to but like that's why you're saying like the practice like if you keep doing the practice and you slowly slowly strip away the layers and like slowly slowly uh, uh, break it down like that that's when it becomes really beautiful and you get it's more of like uh, an unfolding an awakening kind of thing right a hundred percent you're you're de- you're bang on i think that um what's really you know a lot of big um you know philosophers and different spiritual teachers have always said that the secret to happiness is really being present right now you know that depression really lies in thinking about the past or the future and fixating on those things whereas if you can just come into the now you know that the whole book the power of now like that that is what Mm -hmm. that's the that's the essence of what you're trying to accomplish with mindfulness. So the more that you do it, the more you start having mindful moments where you kind of catch yourself, you know, throughout your day, just sort of noticing, Oh, okay. uh, I'm, I'm lost in a thought right now, or I'm lost in a story or I'm, I'm, I'm worked up right now. You, even if you can just come out of that for a second, like that's a really beautiful moment and the more that you practice, the more you commit to a practice at the beginning of your day, the easier that starts to happen throughout the rest of your day. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. That's, uh, that's exactly how uh, my practice has unfolded for the last few years. Um, so it sounds, think, like uh, when you... it sounds like you're practicing mindfulness. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, um, no, I definitely do practice uh, mindfulness. I maybe I just don't give them the labels because uh, a lot of a lot of times my uh, practices just uh, kind of go uh, through like which books I'm reading and like uh, yeah. I kind of like sometimes switch it up. But like, yeah, like uh, a lot of my practice comes with um, focusing on the breath and then like um, actual mindfulness, like keeping my attention on my whole body. Uh, but like you were talking about, uh, Eckhart Tolle power of now, um, heard of Eckhart. Um, that was maybe five, six years ago. And, uh, the whole idea of like being present, that was like the first time I've ever heard that. 
And I was already practicing meditation for a bit. So like, I kind of had like a, I kind of had a little bit of like a meditation muscle built up a bit. So Mm -hmm. I remember every day I was working at this one building and I just told myself, I'm like, all right, every day I, I park my car here. It's a 10 minute walk to work. I'm like, just try to be present for that 10 minutes. And just like, you get out of the car, like get out of your head be present, be aware of the trees. Like I'm walking by all these trees. I'm walking by a park, be aware of the sounds, be aware of this stuff. And just like, let your stop trying to label it with your mind. Stop trying to like, uh, start getting lost in your thoughts again and just be aware of like the surrounding areas. And like, especially when you're around nature, it's a little bit easier to do that. And, uh, that, that helped my practice a ton. That's so cool. That's a really hard thing to do. Like 10 minutes of that is a challenge. It's hard to disrupt your existing routine, even though a big part of your routine could be taken up with, you know, scrolling on your phone or whatever it is, things that we deem important, right? Even though, but whatever it is, even just bringing in that 10 minutes, like the, the, the benefits are so major, but that shift is the hardest part. Like making that part of your day is the hardest part. Yeah. And, um, like, uh, well, Hey, your, uh, Ted talk is like 90% of yoga is off the mat. And, uh, it's true. Like, uh, you have to like these meditation practices and yoga practices are so beautiful. And like you do them, you'll feel better for sure. But there is that second step of taking it off the mat and actually bringing it into your real life. And, uh, when, when you want to see actual real transformation, it's like when you make those steps, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. One thing that my, that you, cause you know, when you start doing this, a lot of the times someone will say to me, Oh, I, I tried meditating. I tried a nap. It took five minutes or 10 minutes and I didn't feel anything. So, you know, I'm not, it's hard for me to commit to doing that every day. And one thing I like to say to that is it's like, this is like working out for your brain. You're not going to, or not your brain, pardon me, your mind. When, you know, when you go to the gym one day, you just work out for one day, you're not going to see any difference in your physical shape, right? You have to work at it. It's something that takes a long time. And that's really how you have to treat it. But once you do start seeing those benefits, it's pretty amazing. Like it's amazing to have those mindful moments where you, you stop saying, you know what, I I don't want to be involved in this story anymore, or I don't want to be yelling and reacting in my car, experiencing road rage or whatever it is. I I actually can stop Mm -hmm. myself from doing that. And so you start improving the way that you feel and the way that you act around other people. And I think that that is a a very valuable thing. And, And when my, even my boyfriend, for example, one time he said to me, he was like, Oh, you don't get, you don't get mad the way that you used to get mad. Like you used to like, you know, snap or whatever. Cause I grew up in Scarborough. So there's always an element of that, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but he's like, you don't, you don't get, you don't react the way that you used to before where it was like a quick reaction, you know, and just kind of snapping. And I, I attribute that to my practice. It's a lot of work. I still have a long way to go, but, um, yeah, like that's, that's huge for me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like the emotional, uh, aspect, like emotional control, that was like, uh, one of the first things I felt like I kind of gained, uh, when I started meditating and taking it seriously. But, and then like, I think on top of that, then 
how you were saying, like the stories you tell yourself, I think that's when you start getting deeper and deeper into meditation, mm-hmm. you can actually start understanding that, like you tell yourself stories about who you are, what this world is. Mm-hmm. And um, most of those are just illusions. And like, they cause you a lot of suffering. And mm-hmm. uh, like, has, have you uh, felt like a complete shift in like the way you like, like think about uh, like your relationship with your thoughts and like the stories you have about the world and stuff. Oh, a hundred percent. And I also just notice things that will trigger it, like to bring it back. And so for example, you know, if I have a lot of progress, I will start to notice, Oh yeah, I'm just feeding myself information about something about uh, the way I think I am or the way that I um, present myself in the world. And I do this kind of work through through my practice and it gets better. And then I'll go on my phone, for example, and I'll look on social media. And that's something that you and I have to use all the time in comedy. It's not something that we cannot use. So, you know, you have to mm-hmm. get disciplined with it, right? Where you're not scrolling all the time. Because if there's a morning where I look at my phone first before I meditate, it's a very different morning right? I'm not in a good space. So I know what those triggers are. And I know what I need to do to make that shift for myself so that my day goes in a different way. Now, that doesn't mean that I can't go on social media, or that I can't post things, but it means that I need to do them in a way that works for me. And that's like, in in line with my mental health. Otherwise, I just go back into old patterns of that story we were talking about. And that doesn't help, right? Oh, I love that. Um, I really do love that because uh, we are in the social media age. And uh, it's true. Like, I think we have so many now studies coming out showing how much anxiety and depression like social media is like causing in our world. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, we look at uh, our feeds and then we start developing these stories in our head about them, like mm-hmm. uh, other people are, are about what we're supposed to do in this world. And like, even like the media, how much fear and stuff is out there. And like, mm-hmm. they're telling us how to look at other people and how to judge. Like, these are all mental representations that you're taking in and making patterns in your head. And um, yeah, so like, I, yeah, I'm just trying to tell it to like the listeners, like, when you meditate, you can start actually seeing like, uh, these patterns come in, and and then you can actually kind of like stay with it, bring silence and stillness to it, and like, uh, hopefully get rid of those patterns. And uh, yeah, be a little bit more disciplined, right? Yeah, definitely. I think like, it's, like you said before, and we've t- and we've mentioned this a couple of times, but I just think it's so important to understand that it really most of the things going on in our mind, they really are just stories, and there's nothing wrong with that. But once, like you said, the more that you can bring a regular meditation or mindfulness practice into your day, the more you realize that that's what those things are, and then they stop affecting you in the same way because you start coming out of the story and you see that's what that is, and that this is just a pattern that you've built up. So for example, like I remember I, a few months ago, I was, I can't even remember where I was, but I was thinking about something that made me feel badly. It was something like to make me feel bad about myself. And it was about, you know, my, my work as a comedian. It was like, Oh, this isn't good. This is crap. It's no good, whatever it is. And I just started going down a spiral of like, Oh, this is not good. And this is why. And, you know, and I, but I, what was cool about it, was that I realized that I was going into that pattern. 
and that I had been there before and that I had had those thoughts before. And when I had that moment, that aha, I was able to step out of it and just see, oh, that's another pattern I've created. And that was like a huge, you know, you have little personal breakthroughs, but when you do that, you're like, holy shit, you know, and it, it takes you out of this kind of prison that you've put yourself in unknowingly, right? That, that suffering that you speak of. Yeah, that's, uh, honestly, that's a beautiful way to just even uh, say it, like how you described it right there, because um, that aha moment of catching catching yourself getting lost into that thought or lost into that rabbit hole which you you know is not leading you anywhere good like that's right that's right there like that's how you heal that's how you uh become like a better higher self a better um you know like a better person like i i can instead of going down that rabbit hole i can actually go into like a better uh mental state right and you just feel better like you just it doesn't things don't affect you the same way you recognize, Oh, okay. I'm talking negatively about myself in this particular moment. That's what's happening. You're able to name it, right? You're naming. Okay. That's what I'm doing. And just by doing that, you're stepping out of it. And like, that's the same thing that people say to do when you're having an anxiety attack. Like if someone was having an anxiety attack, the first thing you can do to help yourself is say, I'm having an anxiety attack right? That yes. right away that helps you step out of it. So this is the same thing when it comes to negative self-talk or gossip or anything that doesn't make you feel good. You realize, oh, I can come out of this if I want. I don't have to spend, I don't have to keep running in this hamster wheel. And it's a great moment when you realize mm-hmm. that. And uh, yeah, that labeling, uh, that's actually a good point because like you label something like, hey, this is anxiety. And um, I think uh, a lot of people uh uh, have a view because like in meditation we say acceptance a lot like mm-hmm. we say the word acceptance so a lot of people uh um have like a negative view of that sometimes they're like oh you're just going to accept your pain or you're accepting your anxiety like what does that mean like that's stupid like you accept anxiety it's like no you you accept that it's here and like uh you accept that that's happening right now um but you want to label it and like be like hey okay i'm anxious right now but um, the whole way to get rid of it is to actually bring consciousness to it. So that's why you actually say like, hey, I'm having a, like I'm, ha- I'm really feeling anxious right now and whatever. I can't stop it because as soon as you resist it. So resisting is like the opposite of acceptance. As soon as you resist that uh, anxiety, that's where you just um, end up disturbing it and making it last longer. Mm-hmm. And you stay in it, right? You're just you're still in there and just kind of experiencing it. And like these experiences that we're talking about, where you're able to step out of it, do they happen every day? No. Do they happen every time you practice meditation or mindfulness? No. But mm-hmm. the more that you practice these things, the more often these things happen, right? It's, it's, it's like, you know, I was just going to say the more you lift, you know, certain weights, the easier that becomes, right? <laughs> All right. Um, all right. Well, like this is the name of the podcast, so I got to give it to you. So uh, God, yay or nay? Oh, yay for me, for sure. <laughs> yay. Yeah. I, uh, how do you uh, like, because um, I guess uh, like with a lot of yoga practices, they talk about like consciousness and like kind of getting back to like uh, that fundamental like uh, thing that connects us all. Is that kind of how you look at the like? maybe the idea of God or anything like that? Um, yeah, I think 
like, to be honest, I had, when I was growing up, my dad's family was, is Jewish and my mom's family's Christian. So I was raised to learn my own religion, like not be designated to one, which was kind of cool. But then I went to a Chris, I went to a Christian Bible camp unknowingly when I was like, (laughs) (laughs) when I was like 10 and was pretty traumatized by who I now realize are like 17 year old counselors. But at the time they seemed like they were full blown adults. Right. And they were telling me all kinds of things that really upset me. Like that, you know, you, you can't go to heaven if you're gay and that because my, my dad is Jewish that when he passes away, he won't go to heaven, but that's okay because I won't remember when I'm there and all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, I had a, I had a bad experience with the concept of God after that. And so was not into God at all. And then once I started getting into yoga and meditation became reopened to the idea And now I would say when I was in India, became very interested in the Hindu faith. Now I'm sort of interested in the Hindu faith as well as Buddhism. So I would say those, the Eastern principles are something that I'm particularly interested in. Um, I don't believe in one particular, like I believe in there, there's one God entity, but I think that God can exist in a lot of things like in nature, in love, in uh, beautiful moments of compassion. Like I think God exists in all of those things. And I think that um, there can be multiple definitions of God and that that's actually really beautiful. All right. That's a pretty big yay there. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. all I'm saying is I get where people are coming from. If they've had negative experiences, I would only say, maybe try to think at some think of where maybe that started for you. So this is for anyone listening. Like if you have a negative experience in your mind or a reason as to why you think there's no God, maybe just try asking if there was a certain time in your life where that sort of started for you. Because for me, it was when I went to that Christian camp and was told a bunch of misinformation that was pretty traumatizing. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Uh, no, that's actually a uh, great advice uh, for the um, my listeners. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. Uh, before we head out, uh, you always uh, you ended your uh, TED talk by talking about how sharing your experiences is like uh, something that you think is like really important. Uh, do you want to maybe uh, elaborate that on that a little bit right now, and then uh, we can end this? Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you for watching that. By the way, I'm glad that. Uh... I'm glad it resonated with you. Yeah, I'm going to share it too because, uh, yeah, you spoke very, like, uh, yeah, you spoke very clearly on, like, everything you believe and, uh, yeah, is everything I believe in too. So I, I love this stuff. Me too. I'm glad that I know this about you now. That's one of the cool things about meeting other comedians who are into spirituality and mental health and self-care. Like, I've, I've met others and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Had I not gotten into these things, I would have never known that about you. So very cool, Noor. So uh, you were asking about sharing. Yes, I think sharing is one of the best things that any of us can do. And I think that things like a podcast are amazing because it allows your listeners to be a fly on the wall for things that they might be interested in, but they're not sure how they want to have that discussion yet. You know, so, you know, maybe you've been feeling something or thinking something and you're not really sure how to articulate it and you want to be involved in the conversation, um, but you're not, 
you don't know what your contribution is yet. So right now your contribution would be listening. And so I think right now, especially during times where we're in isolation, um, sharing with other people, letting them know that they're not alone with their thoughts and just inquiring, like just being interested is really cool because the more that you put it out there and find ways to share what you're doing, the more it can really help someone. Like with meditation, by you putting this out there, people who may have been interested now might actually go and try it and then it could change their life. You know, five years down the road, you know, they could be like, had I not listened to that recording, I wouldn't be where I am right now, you know? So listening to podcasts, people are blogging. There's lots of stuff going on on, you know, Instagram, every media source. I think that's awesome. And I Mm. think that, you know, just sharing, oh, I went and did this class or I went and did this practice. A lot of the time people don't necessarily assume what you do to take care of yourself. So if you share that with others, they might try it. So, yeah, I think there's, it's huge. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And uh, like you said, uh, like you didn't know any of this about me. And uh, that's because like, uh, I was not very good at sharing, uh, especially like when I moved to Toronto, which is about uh, almost two years now. Um, yeah, I was uh, not good at sharing. And I didn't tell anybody about these things, which is like something I'm like, I'm just so into. And uh, I was just like, in the last uh, few months where I really started actually like, uh, understanding like, oh, I need to like be putting myself out there and like actually being vulnerable and just say like, this is who I am. And this is what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's really cool that you've done that. And I think the more you do this podcast, the more you're going to connect with other people who feel the same way. And it just feels really nice, you know, like comedy brings so many different walks of life together. And so it's just nice to meet other people with like-minded interests. And so the, the same applies to anyone who's listening to this you know, they, you you may work together with somebody in an an office, for example, and you have no idea that this is a big part of their life. And maybe it's a big part of your life too. And that's something you guys can connect on. Oh, that is uh, very, very true. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, Dean. Um, Can you uh, maybe tell our audience where they can uh, get your album? You just released one a few months ago. um, And uh, anything else you want to promote? Yeah, for sure. my album is called Blue Lights and it's available through Comedy Records. It's also available on iTunes and it's on Spotify, all that fun stuff. And um, yeah, I think the TED Talk as well, if people are interested in that. I think, um, yeah, there's so many great resources right now where people can be getting involved in looking at stuff online. I mentioned those apps before for people who are looking to get started. So that's Calm, C-A-L-M, and Headspace. Headspace was actually created by a monk. And so he's a, a big mindfulness guy himself. And so those are two two good apps to get started on. Again, I don't work for them, but I just for anyone who's listening. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, thank you so much, Dina. Hey, everybody. That was this week's episode. Thank you so much uh, for listening. I appreciate the support. The best way you can uh, support this podcast is by going on to Apple or iTunes and rating this podcast. Um, If you give it a good rating and leave a nice comment, honestly, that's the best way to do it. 
uh, please check me out on Instagram or uh, YouTube under Newer Kid Why. I'm constantly going to be sharing clips of this podcast and also uh, telling you when new episodes are out and sharing a little bit of my comedy. So thank you so much uh, and uh, tune in to another episode next time on God, yay or nay.